0: Um, so that's there. So uh, let's pray before we do anything else. Heavenly Father, thank you for your spirit so powerfully palpable in this place right now. Lord, as we hear the good news of the gospel and read your precious word, Holy Spirit, we invite you to change our hearts, to set us free to deliver us from lies and bondage, to clarify and illuminate with your truth and your word. Holy Spirit, come have your way in us in this place. And we bind up and mute everything opposed to Christ that would be seeking to interfere or bother us or distract or put us to sleep now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So if you're new or visiting with us this morning, uh, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, And here's three things about us, uh, what we believe as a church. Number one, we believe that there's hope beyond our brokenness. So we have stories in this church, story after story after story of God taking us who are dead and making us alive. And uh, we're not perfect. Like, welcome to the hot mess, y'all, right? (laughs) Right? Amen? But thank God we don't have to pretend anymore. Like, thank God that we can just say, Jesus, I, I know that brokenness is a part of my story, but it doesn't define me. You define me. Your hope and your love define me. That's hope beyond our brokenness. Second, we believe that we're called to trust in our risen Savior. So we... That's each day we put the weight of our heart and our life on Him. We listen, we obey, because He's got good, good plans for us. We wait, as Rose was saying, right? We trust and pray and then don't seek to manipulate the outcome, but wait for God to show up and do His good work. And that's a process. You're not expected to get that perfect the first time, like you get, there's a long on-ramp. It's called life, right? You and I have this sign over our heads called under construction, and we get to practice that together. That's the metaphor, practice. Third, we believe that we are called to bring restoration. So after service, Lori and others are going to be ready to pray for you. They want to bring restoration as they pray for you, uh, our junior hires are are with Luke right now, and and pray for Luke because he's with our junior hires right now, and bringing restoration, right? And we're going to their campuses, and we have seventy high schoolers showing up at the Atherton's house on Monday nights for Young Life, and all of them are allergic to church, and we're bringing restoration to them, and right? We're 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 partnering with Captive Hearts and the Morph Project and Young Life to bring restoration and like we're, this is what we do, right? We get to sprinkle heaven everywhere we go. Don't wait. You don't have to, you don't have to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. We just get to do it. And that's what next week is about. When we collect that money for change for a dollar, I need a ragtag, bobtailed Christian <laughs> to say yes to risk giving that money away to someone who doesn't go to this church so that you can sprinkle heaven into their life next week. That's what we do at this church. Each one of those truths that we see, the, those things that we're about, hope beyond our brokenness, trust in our risen Savior, restoration for our community, those have choices that come with them, and you and I get to make those choices every day. Let's read that, this, these choices together. Ready? A disciple is one who walks intentionally with God. Choosing to be changed by Jesus, choosing to seek Jesus first, and choosing to join Jesus in the resurrection first. So will you choose today? Say "I I will. Good job. Last week we talked about the resurrection. Uh, We had this definition of of what the resurrection is. Resurrection is, read this with me. Um, Next slide, John. Read this with me. Resurrection is new creation, where God dwells with us and is making us new. So resurrection happens in an instant, uh, just like how in an instant a tree is planted when its roots are placed in the ground. The moment a tree's roots are placed in the ground, it is planted. Amen. The moment that you finally try, uh, give up trying to resurrect yourself. And that moment where you finally say, Jesus, I can't do this. Help me. That moment is the moment that you're instantly saved, instantly adopted, instantly forgiven. It is finished. It's the moment that the Holy Spirit enters your life and you instantly have a new heart and a new mind. And at the same time, because Jesus is a gardener, and because life always takes time to grow, resurrection is also an instant, it's an instant, it's an instant new life, and it's a life which takes time. A life which grows over time. And that's good, because the whole point of our life isn't to have a brand new life instantly. If you remember last week, April and I wanted to buy a, a palm tree. Do you remember this? We could afford the palm tree, but we couldn't afford the delivery and the crane and everything else. And that's what we try and do, right? We want our new life craned and dropped in. And that's not how it works. You got to go with the small palm. <laughs> and I, and, thank, and bless you, I had four people last week Invite me to come to their house to dig up their palm trees, and then, and, and I will. I promise. Thank you. I I'm, I I will. It's beautiful. It's great. I should have asked them all. Do you have a crane? So why is it a good thing that this new resurrection life isn't craned and dropped in? Because the point isn't for us to have this thing instantly. The point is union with Jesus, and Jesus bonded, embossed, welded, mended, stitched to our spirit by the Holy Spirit, Jesus with us our entire life, that's the point, to know him and to enjoy him and to be with him and give him all the glory, amen? So where does Jesus start resurrection? Where does he start this work? In today's passage, I mean, it's literally still the first day of the resurrection. What today's passage reveals is that Jesus starts his resurrection work in the most fragile of places in our own lives, in the places of pain and in the places of doubt. That's where Jesus starts his resurrection work. It doesn't shine up everything that's already great about you. He starts bringing to life that which is dead. Amen? I'm so glad you were so reluctant to say that amen. (laughs) Because that's what it feels like, right? Oh, yeah, please, God, come into the most fragile of places in my life, all my doubts and fears. But that's what Jesus does. He shows up behind the locked doors of your heart, unannounced, and says... Peace be with you, and that's today's passage. So let's read John chapter twenty, verse nineteen. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Um, so lo- it, there was messiahs—people who claimed to be the Messiah before Jesus showed up in Jerusalem. There were people that claimed to be the Messiah after Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. And every single one of those messiahs was killed by the Jewish leaders and authorities and all of their followers. So the yeast of those potential insurrections would be eliminated. So the disciples had good reason to be afraid. Let's keep on reading. Suddenly, wait, wait. Come on, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Like when you read scripture, slow it down, get in the story. You ready? Let's say it dramatically now. Suddenly... Jesus was standing there among them. Say what? And what did he say? Jesus, we were what? Wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense. I, the first words Jesus says to you isn't, you failed. Because all the disciples failed. It's not, get busy. How could you? Why can't you? Just get it together. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say, work harder, or who are you? He doesn't say any of that. To us who are gripped by fear, Jesus says, peace be with you. To us who are burdened by grief, Jesus says, peace be with you. To us who have failed at following Jesus. To us who have left Jesus when it was difficult, when it would cost us. To us who have looked at our sin and said, I'm going to choose this over you, Jesus. To us who have have preferred self-preservation over obedience, Jesus says this, Peace be with you. And Jesus is right where he's supposed to be. He's right in the middle of his friends. And that's his place. That's what Jesus does. He, he gets right in the middle of your shock and of your fear and your doubt and your disobedience and when you've, you, you've locked everybody else out, you've said, please don't comment on my life. I'm going to hide this aspect of me. I'm going to huddle in fear. Jesus wonderfully, annoyingly shows up. He's there with you in that place. And he says, peace be with you. And it's a gift it's a, it's a grace. It's this gift you cannot deserve. That's what Jesus says to you. Verse 20, read this with me. As he spoke, as he spoke, he showed that... Now, Jesus shows us the reason why he can give us peace. Death is defeated, that's why. Resurrection is real. Like Jesus is God in the flesh, the conquering king, and he's really, really alive. This is undeniable truth. Jesus is alive. Like it's all real, y'all. This isn't a myth This isn't a nice little thing that we believe so that we can be more moral. It's really real. Amen. And so when they see that Jesus is really real and they touch him, that he's really real. Verse 20. Next slide that has verse 20. They were filled with joy when they saw the word, the Lord. And this world, this word. Filled with joy. It's a Greek word. Next slide, John. It means echareson. In the middle of that word, you can see C-H-A-R-E. That's charis, right? And charis means joy. Uh, li- the tr- little translation would be ecstatic. If you know anybody named Carrie, their name means joy. Isn't that great? Or the Latin version, karen. Where's our karens? Yeah. There's our Karen. Joy. Yeah, there's our Karen. Joy. Jesus promised his friends that they would have joy again. Jesus makes good on his promises, doesn't he? What a rush. I mean, it's all true. Everything Jesus has said and claimed and done, it's all true. Jesus really is God, and he really is God in the flesh. He really is our Savior. We really are saved. There really is hope. It's all true. And Jesus says, once again, just in case you've missed it, verse 21. Next slide. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And we immediately jump from peace be with you. Ah, that feels too nice too. Mm, I don't know about that. Jesus gives us the exact same mission that our Heavenly Father gives him. So what is that mission? It's to bring resurrection. It's to bring resurrection. It's to bring resurrection, to love the people that we're with, to share with them the great love of God, to see new life that the Holy Spirit will plant in them and to be with them as that new life grows. This moment we call salvation, this growth we call discipleship, the whole thing is called resurrection. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Do you remember last week how resurrection works? Ready? Read it with me. God does the resurrecting, not you. Well, why is it that we read something like this? Oh, so on, just as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. All of us get this dread in our souls, like. God is asking us to do door-to-door sales, right? We're like, oh, I don't, know. please, no. Can I just give money in the change for a dollar bucket? Like, don't call on me, right? But the thing is, is that that understanding of our mission or that understanding of our purpose as Christians is based on, on an understanding where you and I, by our own efforts, are going to save someone, and we save no one. God does all of the saving. How does God do all of the saving? It's through the power and presence of His Holy Spirit. Verse 22. Then Jesus helps them do exactly what He says that He wants them to do. And He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We like that, right? Now let's read the verse that we dread. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Wait, what? Has Jesus just given us the power to forgive people? Or to withhold forgiveness? Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, kind of. Let me explain. Remember last week um, about how... We had the heaven and the earth. And what we've seen is that the idea is. Do you remember this? You Remember this? Some of you weren't here. There it is. So this is how we think about our life. Heaven is over here on the left. Stay with me now. Heaven is on the left. Earth is on the right. And what we think as Christians is that when we die, we get to leave earth and go to heaven. Okay, we better stop end that slideshow. We think that hope or our purpose is defined in, um, in, in saying yes to Jesus so that one day we can escape this place. But that's not why Jesus has come. Jesus has come to bring resurrection now. Like new life, everlasting life, now. It will last from now to all eternity but it starts now. Your job isn't to receive resurrection life, keep it hidden and protected, and then hope that you die soon, right? Like that old evangelist, Billy Sunday, would say, he's like, come give your life to Jesus, and we'll just pray that when you walk out of the sawdust aisle on the Big tent revival, they go hit by a dump truck, right? It's like, and that's what we kind of want, right? Oh, Jesus, just, just take me home now. And that's not what Jesus came to do. Your mission is to do exactly what Jesus did. And what did he do? He waded into the crusty bits of your life. That's what he did. Into the dark spots, into your doubt, into your pain. And he brought life to those dead spots by loving you, by forgiving you. And we are called on that same mission. For the people in your life both Christians and non-Christians, but especially those who do not yet trust Jesus, you're the only Bible they're ever going to read. So if you're bitter and angry, what Jesus is saying is that they're not going to experience forgiveness. It's not that God doesn't forgive them if you don't forgive them. It's that they literally can only experience forgiveness from you because you're in the flesh right in front of them. Does that make sense? You have the power to impact a person's life by forgiving. You also have the power to impact a person's life by not forgiving them. And how many of us have our lives been impacted for the worse when someone holds resentment against us and then takes it out on us? It's not fun. And it's telling what you think about this verse. If you dismiss it, if you fundamentally say, well, you know, the, only God forgive. It's not that big of a deal. Forgiveness, it's, you know, oh, okay, Jesus, I'll, you know, I'll pray. Lord, I'll forgive him as you forgive me. You know, I'll do the, our father, I'll just rattle it off. If you sort of dismiss it or, dis, or diminish it, then what you are revealing is that you fundamentally have very little understanding of how much profound power and influence you actually have. Do you understand this? You have way more power and influence than you think. And Jesus is saying, wake up. You need to understand that everything you do matters. Not in a sense of pressure, but in a sense of you have a profound ability to influence this world for the better right now. It's like you have a check to pay off your mortgage and set you up for all of the rest of your life. And you look at that check and you go, eh, I doubt this is real. And you rip it up. What? No. Look, you're, you're going to get hurt in life. Uh, getting hurt is awful. It's like a little piece of death has visited your life when you get hurt, when you've been betrayed. It's like a little piece of death enters into your life and eats away at you. And all of us know what this feels like. Because all of us have been hurt. Follow my logic. Stay with me. Shrug your shoulders. Ready? Shake out your hands. Come on, y'all. Stay with me. This is it. This is it. This is the heart of the... Here it is. Ready? This is what I've been... I worked 20 minutes on this yesterday. Ready? Here it is. Follow my logic. First... Jesus conquered death. Death is no longer in charge. Death has lost its victory. Yes? Remember last week when we read Ezekiel 36, when God breathed on the valley of dry bones? And what happened to the dry bones? They all came back to life. And that breath is His Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit raises dead people to life. Yes? Yes. Put the two together. That means that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus to life. Yeah? Good job. Now, what Jesus has just done to the disciples is He's what? He's breathed on them and asked them to receive the Holy Spirit, which means that the same Holy Spirit... In you, in me, is the same Holy Spirit which raises Jesus to life and defeats death. Right? Okay. Stay with me now. One more step. And what's the exact next thing that God says to you right after he gives you the Holy Spirit? No, (laughs) he says, forgive, because forgiveness literally destroys death in you and in the person you forgive, whoa, forgiveness is like a resurrection hand grenade, When you forgive and you toss that grenade into someone's life, resurrection life is going to blow up everywhere around them. It'll impact all of their relationships. It'll change you and them. It's resurrection exploded everywhere. That's the power of forgiveness. Now, how do you forgive? Forgiveness is so simple. Ready? Here it is. Forgiveness is the only issue of who gets to be judged. That's what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness literally means to let go of, and what am I letting go of? I'm letting go of the right to be judge. Who here is great at being the judge, jury, executioner of the world? (laughs) Oh, there's like nine honest people in the room. (laughs) Who here thinks that they are brilliant at being judge, jury, and executioner? All y'all better raise your hand right now because that's what you do, that's what I do, right? And when, and when we forgive, what we're saying is I'm making my life miserable with this job description. I'm done. And so what we do is we say this one in prayer. We agree with Jesus that what was done to us is wrong. And we're not just forgive people. Generally, we have to be specific, right? Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's remembering. It's a just accusation.